Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. And also remember, please download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And if you'd like to help out Joe and I on our social media, our new website is thefrontlinetv.com, thefrontlinetv.com. We'd ask you to go there, check out all our content, and ideally maybe subscribe if you if you see fit. Um, and today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Father Gerald Murray. And he has written a new book, Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crises Facing the Catholic Church and Society. Now, I have to imagine that no one in our audience does not know Father Gerald Murray. Having said that, I am going to give a brief introduction. Father Gerald E. Murray, a priest of the Archdiocese of New York, is pastor of the Church of the Holy Family in Manhattan. He is a canon lawyer and a guest commentator on religious news on EWTN, Fox News Channel, and other media outlets. Ordained a priest in 1984, he has served in parishes in the Bronx and Manhattan, was a chaplain for 11 years in the United States Naval Reserve. He studied canon law at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome from 1993 to 1997, being awarded a doctorate in 1998. He's a regular columnist at thecatholicthing.org and at Human Life Review. Now, this is what uh, Robert Cardinal Sarah former prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments had to say about Father Murray's book, quote, Father Murray's clearly reasoned defense of Catholic teaching and his encouragement to pursue greater holiness in our daily lives guide us in finding and following the sure path of fidelity to the Lord in his church, close quote. Father Gerald Murray, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Well, thank you very much, Joe, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you and Joe and uh, to discuss this book, Calming the Storm, uh, which will be coming out in March uh, of 2022. And I'm very glad to have the opportunity to speak to you about the book and also about uh, what uh, everyday Catholics can do uh, amidst the different trials that we're facing in both the world and sad to say, even in the church at times. Right. And Father, one thing I would say is this. Let's start right off the bat. You mentioned the book. Where can people buy the book? And then we're going to mention it a couple of times. Yeah, the title of the book is Calming the Storm, and it is published by Emmaus Road Press. Now, Emmaus Road Press is from the St. Paul Center. So you can go to the St. Paul Center, which is really the abbreviated name of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, it's founded by Scott Hahn, the famous uh, biblical scholar, and uh, you can also buy the book on Amazon. So just type in Calming the Storm at Amazon or at the St. Paul Center website, stpaulcenter.com. That's stpaulcenter.com, and the book is available there. I have a co-author because it's an interview book, and that's Diane Montagna, and she is a, a famous Rome uh, correspondent and journalist who's been covering the Vatican uh, since 2014, uh, living in Rome. Awesome, awesome. So with that, Father, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Racinello, and we'll we'll start the conversation. Father, could you lead us in a prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We turn to God our Father with love and gratitude, and ask him to guide our discussion, to give us always the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to make wise and sound judgments, and to give us a heart of charity to love all those we encounter in this world, especially those that we may have problems with, so that we may be able to be a source of unity and resolution in all things concerning the promotion of God's kingdom. Our Lady of Lords, pray, pray for, us. for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
That was a beautiful prayer, Father, and I think that sets the tone. Um, and obviously, we're going to talk about your book. I think a good starting point in the discussion is this. Obviously, the three of us believe that the Catholic Church contains the fullness of truth. We believe it. We know it. The church is perfect. The people in it are not. And I am the first one to say I am not perfect. Um, where's the confusion? Father, I'll be honest with you. I didn't go to the Gregorian. I went, you know, I'm a simple guy, but I read, I, 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 you know, I've read the catechism. I've taught the faith in RCIA. I don't understand the confusion. I really don't. It's all written down. Like this is not a storefront church in Harlem. And I'll be truthful with you. When I see all this, and this is just, you know, me telling you, you're a priest, I'm a regular guy. I don't get it. I always say to my wife, Jesus was perfectly clear and the church should be perfectly clear because we always knew what Jesus was about. He was perfectly clear. So I guess let's address that. How is there any confusion and where did it come from? Well, confusion, like all uh, problems, uh, is a consequence of original sin. So, you know, Adam and Eve failed to do God's will, and as a result, things went bad. Now, Jesus gave us redemption. Our divine Savior came down to work to earth, died, and rose from the dead. But he also left us a body of teaching, and then he left us uh, a group, meaning the apostles, the first bishops of the church, to promote that revelation and that teaching and have the authority to explain and interpret it. So the remedy is present, but the problem persists because people do make mistakes in understanding God's will. Uh, we've had heresies with us right from the beginning of Christianity. Some people deny the divinity of Christ. Uh, some people deny the humanity of Christ. Uh, and then we have the sacramental life. Some people deny the real presence in the Eucharist. Some people deny that there's a priesthood or a sacrifice of the mass. The whole history of Christianity shows that uh, the mere fact that you're baptized and uh, follow Christ doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to get it right about the teaching. And that's where the magisterium, the authority of the church comes in. And uh, right now, the authority of the church has a big task ahead of us because we have lots of confusion. And it's not simply coming from forces outside of the church. Forces within inside the church, sad to say, often contradict uh, on certain matters uh, the teaching of the church. And I say that because, perfect example, the German hierarchy has been promoting things which directly contradict Catholic faith. One of those is they promote the idea that homosexual unions should be given a blessing. So as we know, homosexual unions are a civil arrangement to, to as a pseudo-marriage. And the German bishops have said as a group and individuals have pushed it uh, that this is something that they want. Now, not all German bishops agree with it, but there's only a handful who don't. And uh, this is being pushed by the German hierarchy. It was recently uh, Cardinal Marx, who was a cardinal of the Catholic Church, he recently said this again, that homosexual unions should be blessed. The Holy See, discharging its duty to upguard, or safeguard the faith, said last March, it's impossible for the Catholic Church to bless that which is sinful. Because the union of two men or two women uh, with a sexual uh, connotation or sexual aspect to it can no way be blessed because sex outside of marriage and sex which involves perversion can never be blessed. So we have a problem here. Why is it that, you know, you and I are talking about what the truth is in the Catholic faith, but bishops who have the job to uphold that truth in Germany are contradicting it. So when people are confused, you can understand why. Well, I, I I agree. And I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great, great, like, like subject. What I would say is this, again, coming from the guy in the pew. If you're praying every day, you pray your family rosary, you go to confession monthly, you receive the Eucharist in the state of grace. I will say this. There is no way you think that way. There is no way that you think that way. If you're like, whenever I see, whether it's a layman or the clergy go far off the deep end, I immediately know there's a break, like a break. When you're praying, 
and you're like opening your heart before your confessor and you're receiving the grace of the sacrament and you're praying the rosary. And if you're a priest, you're doing, you're reading, uh, you know, your daily office. There's no way that that's happening. Father, I'm telling you that like, and that's where, like, am I wrong? Am I like, you tell me, I mean, well, <laughs> I'll say this, the chances are, if you say all your prayers properly and uh, receive the sacrament of penance regularly, the chances are you're not going to fall into heresy or fall into error on the, on the doctrinal level. But sad to say, uh, people who turn around and say, well, I pray a lot, but I still believe gay people should be able to get a, their marriage or their pseudo marriage blessed. Uh, there are people who put that forward nowadays who say that this is a matter of justice. Jesus wanted this. In other words, bad thinking is compatible uh, in some cases with people who pray and think they're doing God's will by this uh, erroneous uh, teaching. So, mm. yeah, it's... We all make mistakes, matter. and I'm with you. Like, yeah. but I'll, I'll use a great example of that. I remember when the president of Notre Dame, smart guy, invited Barack Obama to speak. Now, the bishops said that you can't do that. Okay. Now we all make mistakes. And as mother Angelica would say, sometimes we're sincere, but sometimes we're sincerely wrong. I'm married. I have five kids. Believe me, I am wrong a lot. And my wife reminds me of it. But when 80 bishops tell you something like say like, okay, I mean, I know you're a good priest. I know Joe uh, Pasillo, he's my brother-in-law, he's a good man. And if I said something that was so off base and you guys just reached out to me as brothers in Christ and you just said, Joe, listen, you're off. And 80 other people did. I would just kind of be like, well, maybe I'm off. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, this is like where, like what you're saying, like, I don't well, get Joe, it. let me Joe, let, let me follow up. Let me just ask the question, I, the direction you're going. The way I was thinking in my mind was this, as Father Gerald Murray is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. A couple of guys like us, Father, we may have an emotional response to, let's say, the bishops when we read about uh, recent history uh, in the 70s when Paul VI issued Humanae Vitae and the bishops in Canada said, no, we're not going to listen to it. Or the Vatican recently, uh, the Holy See coming out and saying, we cannot, cannot, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Father, the, the Holy See said, cannot bless same-sex unions, okay? Right. So-called same-sex unions. The emotional reaction to that, Father, is why why don't they get, well, like, why didn't Cardinal Marx get sent, sent to Alaska? Like, like I, I, I'm just, I'm being a little crazy, but like, or why is it that priests who are under the authority of the Bishop of Rome, okay, why is it that from the top down, and I really want to know, like, how this works in canon law, too, how is it that priests and bishops are allowed to get away with saying they're not going to listen to a magisterial teaching of the church. Well, this is the Pope tolerating this. Uh, it's quite clear if he issues a document, because that document in March of last year saying no to blessings of unions, uh, the Pope approved the publication of that document. In other words, it wasn't done without him knowing about it. Uh, when Cardinal Marx came out just the other day and denied it and said, denied saying, no, we need to change and have blessings for these unions. Uh, he said that what, you know, 10 months after the document was issued and he's still contesting it. And he wasn't the only one, a whole bunch of them did that and did it in vehement a manner, not only in Germany and bishops in Holland and elsewhere. So the Pope is entitled to, you know, judge what he thinks is necessary to uphold the teaching in the manner in which he'll do it. We can disagree and say, Holy Father, I think you should act quickly on this matter because, you know, inevitably in life, when you tolerate something, people think that's the uh, preview to approving it. Uh, and I hope, you know, that Cardinal Marsh doesn't think he's ever going to get this thing approved because it can't be approved. It would be absolutely horrendous. The purpose of the church is to lead people to God. The great obstacle to being united to God is sin. So why would we ever bless some so-called blessings something that's sinful? We'd be telling people, do something that's going to draw you away from God. You know, this is horrible uh, that we have a cardinal of the Catholic Church doing it. Uh, but, you know, I would say if the Holy Father, you know, asked me, he hasn't done that. He, he doesn't generally do that. He makes decisions with his own advisors. But we're entitled to speak out and say, Holy Father, this is quite scandalizing. People in Germany get the impression that Cardinal Marx is like a prophet. He's telling us what's going to happen in the future and making us uncomfortable. It doesn't exist now. That's all wrong. 
You know yeah. what I think the it is? is? Real okay, quick, Joe, the book is Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crises Facing the Catholic Church and Society. The author is Father Gerald Murray. Joe, where are we, we going to go? I think it comes down to a matter of style. Like, like you could look at different popes. You could say uh, Pius X. He was a bit more like, like uh, blunt, and 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 some people have a style. This this idea of accompaniment. Like, I'll be honest with you. I always give. I, I mean, I always give the Pope the benefit of the doubt. I swear, because I was taught that. My father always told me that as a young man. I always do. It's a matter of style, like. And if you disagree, please just, you know, like it's this idea of accompaniment. Now, we talked before the show. I worked with the missionaries of charity for many years, and they work with some bad people, like in terms of the people that they help people. I, I shouldn't say bad, but they've done bad things. Bad shape. They're in bad shape. Somebody. And they accompany them by being holy, but they never lower the standard. Like my idea of accompaniment is I will always be your friend. I will help you. I will love you. But the standard is the standard. And we will suffer together, walking together. Like when at that mass they used to serve at the gift of love, those men, if they weren't baptized, they didn't receive the Eucharist. If they were in a state of grace, they didn't receive the Eucharist, but they went every day. They prayed with them. And little by little, you love them into the church. That's accompaniment. Accompaniment is not saying, Father, you're a drunk. You're not a drunk, by the way, but you're a drunk and that's okay. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not accompaniment. Again, well, Father, I'm talk a simpleton. About that. Talk about that, Father, because it seems sure. like that. Joe's right. Joe's right. That word gets thrown around a lot. And a lot of people say, well, what does that mean? Well, Father Gerald Murray, tell us, what does that mean? Well, accompaniment means, I think, in the mind of the Pope that we uh, start with people where they are and then don't issue an immediate judgment on their behavior, but rather get to know them, listen to them, figure out why they are doing what they're doing, and then kind of lead them in the path toward, you know, virtue and Christ. And uh, in and of itself, that's not uh, something that is you know, wrong. You know, it's not wrong to accompany people. It's always a prudential judgment when you're dealing with someone who's involved in a sinful lifestyle or has erroneous thoughts, you know, how how early in the relationship do you, uh, you know, challenge them? Because that's really what the goal here is, to challenge people to follow Christ. Now, the problem is, uh, I don't have the chance to accompany Cardinal Marx, uh, and neither do most people, in the sense of getting to know him, trying to figure out his thought pattern, and try to convince him that he's wrong. All I can do is publicly rebuke him by saying uh, to him that what he is saying is in direct contradiction to what the Pope himself has said. And therefore he is uh, you know, a rebel in the church. Not only is this a matter of simply what the Pope says, this is a matter of basic doctrine. That's why the Pope is saying you can't bless these marriages. So the doctrine of the faith teaches us that homosexual activity is immoral. It's a mortal sin. It has nothing to do with uh, any kind of parallel form of marriage. So to tell people that, you know, you go to City Hall and swear vows as if you were marrying each other, and then the priest is going to stand there and bless your rings, that's leading those people into sin. And mortal sin leads to damnation. I mean, this is the exact opposite of what a shepherd of the church is supposed to be doing. So for me, the, you know, accompaniment is something that is appropriate in circumstances where that's possible, uh, meaning that you can get to know someone and work, work on them, so to speak. And you know, I was saying Mass with the Missionaries of Charity, I know from volunteers, Joe, like yourself, and from uh, seeing some of the uh, residents that people would change who had been with the nuns. You know, some of those men over six months became very religious. Uh, and some of the volunteers ended up joining religious orders, becoming priests, because, you know, the value of being with the nuns was a true accompaniment. On the other hand, if somebody is out robbing uh, a, a bank, so to speak, uh, forget the accompaniment. The police are going to arrest him. He's going to go to trial and go to jail. He'll have plenty of time to meditate in jail because he's being punished. And I think Cardinal Marx should be told, you know, re re repent and uh, recant what you said, or you should be punished because this is no good. To, a cardinal telling people that the church should bless him immorality, horrible. You're right, Father Murray. And one of the things 
Now, we want to move on. We want to talk about, um, let's say, for a little bit about Vatican II. Uh, but that's that's our attitude. Like I always think the same way about the issue, the the, the issue of homosexuality, um, and let's say the action, uh, let's say is 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 gra is gravely evil. Okay, and the condition is a disordered. It's a disorder, right? It's not it's not attacking somebody to say it's a disorder. In other words, our, and my problem in the whole thing is I never. Even Cardinal Dolan at one point was in an interview, and I took him in a positive way. He said, I don't really sometimes feel the need to, to, to preach a homily about abortion or homosexuality, because to me, it's just a given. Again, that's the way I took what he was saying. This was a few years ago, okay? We're not, as traditional Catholic men, we're not singling out homosexuals and saying you're a bigger sinner than, than anybody else, or, 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 you know, it's not like the adulterer who dies in a state of mortal sin or the thief or the murderer. No, no, no. It's all sin. We don't make, single them out. They seem, our opinion is they want to single themselves out. And I would, we had on Kevin Wells, Joe, a couple weeks ago, he made a good point. He said, I would take a bullet for the soul of somebody who had a same-sex attraction if I thought it would save their soul, okay? And I think that's the message we have to say is that ours is a message of love. Those who would lead you astray is not a message of love. I think that's the best we can do. I just wanted to comment on that. Joe, I know I wanted to talk about Vatican II, but Father, if you wanted to comment on that, please. Yeah, well, you know, if if I praise someone, I'm also singling them out. So, um, you know, people use that phraseology usually when they want to avoid criticism by not answering the substance, but simply saying, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Well, okay, you may not want to talk about the sinfulness of homosexual behavior, but I do because as a shepherd in the church, I want to help you get over that. I want to help you to find Christ, because there is no peace of soul in committing mortal sin of any type. And this is a topic, sad to say, that's really uh, out there, because you have bishops contradicting uh, the Pope and other bishops. So we need to deal with it. And, and you know, you, it's funny, as a shepherd, the shepherd has the crozier, you know, bishop, uh, you know, the stick, you know, that's mm -hmm. it. In Jersey, we just call it the stick. <laughs> and, and father, at the end of the day, that's to ward off the wolves. I mean, I'm a dad, I got five yeah. kids. Uh, yeah. You know, like my job is to make sure that nothing bad comes in my house because I have to protect my children. Well, you have a bigger job because you're a priest and your children are much more vast than mine. And a bishop has much more, you know, important job. And I sometimes just don't see that aspect because like just on the basic level, like you can't allow poison in your house as a dad. You know, whether it's on the television, whether it's a bad person, whether it's a it, it's whatever. But what you said as the shepherd, I have to say we can't do this. And that's not being hateful. To be honest with you, that's mm -hmm. just doing your job. You know what I'm saying? Like, I oh, have a job to do. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, we all have jobs to do. You know what I'm sure. saying? Well, you know, people manipulate by claiming they're you hating them when you're telling them something they don't want to hear. Uh, and that is, that's another form of avoidance, you know. If you're so proud of your behavior, then you should be able to field all objections pretty easily, because if the behavior truly is good, then everyone else is mistaken. The reality is the behavior is unnatural, and it's not part of God's plan, and it is destructive because it's guiding people in a way that offends the Lord and hurts their neighbors. So uh, this, yeah, the teaching of the church in its clarity brings peace and joy, and that's what we have to preach, particularly when it's a matter that people don't accept in some cases, including cardinals, sad to say. Amen. Father Gerald Murray joining us here at the front line with Joe and, the, Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. His new book, Calming the Storm, Nav Navigating the Crises, Facing the Catholic Church and Society. Now, Father, there's two camps, and I don't have to tell you this, okay, the way Joe and I see it. You have those who say Vatican II needs to be completely scrapped, okay? Then you have the other side that would give you the impression that there was never a church before Vatican II, okay? And I, I don't think I'm overstating that. And, and Joe and I take some very strong positions, but we feel that there is a middle ground. I'll give you an example, and I'd love your comments. We interviewed uh, Professor Robert George, all right, from Princeton. He went on this beautiful five-minute or so eloquent defense of Vatican II, um, and at spot on, okay? And it was funny, and that's why I'm saying it, because he, he made me laugh, because then he paused after he was done, and he went, now let's talk about the spirit of 
of Vatican II. Clarify, we have about five minutes before the break, Father. And of course, if we go over, because this is an important topic, that's fine. We'll pick it up on the other side of the break. Clarify some of this confusion about Vatican II, the validity of the council, and the need to maybe have a bit of a reform of the reform. Where, where, where do you see all this? Sure. No, the Second Vatican Council is a legitimate general council of the church. It was convoked by Pope John the Twenty-Third. It was concluded by his successor, Pope Paul the Sixth. Uh, the documents that it issued are beautiful. Uh, they contain truths of the faith. Now, some documents lack clarity or reflect, uh, let's say, uh, an incomplete appreciation of certain topics. And that is, uh, doesn't mean they're bad, doesn't mean they're wrong. It simply means that they could be improved. Uh, and that is part of life in the church. You know, we've had many councils, I think 21 councils up till now. So the work of one serves as the basis for further development in the future. So the council is, it, is good and it's something that is, you know, in the life of the church, uh, important and needs to be uh, applied. The problem, of course, that we've experienced is following the Sagamatic Council, there's been a great decline in Christian practice in the church. Uh, there are all the statistical indicators that we're in a decline in the West of belief and of practice. And uh, in many ways, after the council, we got something, as Robert George said, called the spirit of the council, which was that everything that came before the council was bad or needed to be reformed and cast aside and remodeled or revolutionized. And then we're going to recreate everything from anew. Uh, that's a disastrous position. It, beca it becomes like the dynamic of endless change so that nothing is stable, everything is up for grabs. Uh, both Pope Paul VI, John Paul II, and then Benedict following criticized that approach. Uh, Pope Paul VI issued something called the Credo of the People of God uh, to reaffirm the truths of the faith. John Paul II issued the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, he also issued um, a doctrine on uh, moral, moral theology called Veritatis Splendor, which was a rebuke of all the moral, moral errors that were being taught. Benedict XVI reaffirmed all of this. Um, so we have an attempt by the popes uh, to counter this spirit of revolution that some people mistakenly took to be the nature of the council. That's not what the council was all about. So yeah, now that spirit of innovation was most seen in people's lives in the mass. And that's where we have the controversy now with Pope Francis and the old mass because he doesn't really like the traditional Latin mass and has made that clear. Uh, and, you know, we can discuss that, but the, the, for most people, what happened in the Second Vatican Council is they changed the mass from English into Latin. The people started, the priests started facing the people and everything became more casual. The music changed, the chant was gone. Everything was now guitars and drums and all the rest. So people got the idea, wow, uh, this is all new. The past is gone. And, uh, you know, that's what the church must have meant. And then the answer is not really. Uh, some people in charge of the reform of the mass after the council made decisions that really did not enter into the scope of what the council fathers had intended. And that's where we get the debate. And uh, yeah, so we should never say the council should be thrown out. It's, it's worthless. It's useless. No, that's wrong. The Catholic church does not teach error. And certainly the council did not teach error. Uh, so that's where I would uh, make a quick summary of. I appreciate that, Father Murray, because, like I said, I mean that that whole topic, I mean that that puts people into camps, like, like, and I don't need to tell you that. And that's something that obviously we can't afford, particularly now at this point in human history, with this culture war that we're fighting. And let's face it, culture war, spiritual battle, uh, it's all intertwined. There, we cannot. I mean, I wish people who read scripture understand that the devil is a master father of lies. He, 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 he operates best when he's able to divide. And when we're at each other's throats over, over some of these things, not that they're not important, Father Murray, I, I'm not mm. trying to suggest that, but when we're at each other's throats, man, you're just letting him win. If I agree with you on 99% of things, but you just can't understand that the church teaches that it's okay to receive communion in the hand, and you're not gonna talk to me because of that, that's a problem. 
like, like that's that's where I think we we kind of defeat ourselves. Father, we want to pick this up on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Facillo, Joe Racinello, and we are having a great conversation with Father Gerald Murray of the Archdiocese of New York. And then we are talking about uh, navigating the crises facing the Catholic Church and society. The title of the book is Calming the Storm, which is available on Amazon, but we don't want you to buy it on Amazon. We want you to buy it over at the St. Paul Center um, and support uh, our Catholic publishers, okay? So stick around. We got more for you with Father Murray. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. This is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. Here's something fun. We're giving away two tickets every day for a special live audience taping of Let Me Be Frank on Thursday, April 7th. To enter, email us at info at veritascatholic.com. The special live audience show with Bishop Caggiano is hosted by Liv Harrison, features live music by Father Joseph Gill and the Restless Band, and will be emceed by Joe Pasillo, co-host of The Frontline with Joe and Joe. I am excited. This is something different and fun and edifying. The live show is the centerpiece of our first gala event with Veritas, so there's also cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and time to meet and chat with the hosts of all of our Veritas shows. All the information is online at veritascatholic.givesmart.com. And like I said, we're giving away two tickets every day. To enter to win, simply email info at veritascatholic.com. Include your name and phone number, and we'll select two winners every day. And have a look at the online event site. All the silent auction items are already there and available for bidding, too. That site is veritascatholic.givesmart.com. Hope to see you next Thursday. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. Not going to waste any more time with introductions. Father Murray's with us, Father Gerald Murray from the Archdiocese in New York. And he's talking about, we're talking about his new book, Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crises Facing the Catholic Church and Society on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Joe Racinello, I'm going to hand it over to you. Father, you were talking about Vatican II on the other side of the break, and everything you said, I agree with 100%. I really do. Um, and, and we interviewed Ralph Martin. He wrote a similar book uh, on the crisis in the church that's out. And he said something that has stuck with me. And I like Ralph. Um, he's a sane voice. He's, he really is. He's a smart guy, and he's very level-headed. Um, and I actually think he's a holy guy. Like, he's a good man. And he said, we talked about the spirit of Attica too, because we talked earlier about people are sincere. There's many people about this whole thing. They're sincere. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know what's in their heart. And I said that to Ralph. I said, like, you know, there are many people who may go about this spirit of Vatican too. They're sincere. He's like, Joe, it doesn't work. And it doesn't, Father. And this is the point I wanted to make. It's been 60 years. I'm 51. I mean, look at the fruit. I've always been taught that. And I've learned this by being around good religious CFRs, Sisters of Life, Missionaries of Charity. Um, I've learned this. When you stick to the vine, you will bear fruit. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said so. And I take him at his word because he rose from the dead. We, in our hubris in the church, smart guys, regular guys, guys in between, Joseph Cupertino, St. Augustine, and everything in between, we think we come up with better ideas. We're going to bring in some felt banners. We're going to do this. We're going to have this and that and this and this. It doesn't work. Stick to the vine. Stick to the documents of Vatican II. Like you said, it's a valid council. Like, but we don't. You know, like talk about that, about like adhering to the vine. I, I mean, I'm bringing it down to a very simple level, but I actually think that's the answer. No, it is. And that's precisely what we have to do. And then when people come up with new ideas, uh, we have to say, is this compatible with the teaching of the church, including the Vatican, Second Vatican Council? Uh, we talked about blessing of homosexual unions. Certainly not. Uh, we have the ordination of women. That's certainly not ever uh, taught by the Second Vatican Council. Uh, we have people who want to propose uh, that contraception be made moral, you know, be accepted by the Catholic Church. Pope Paul VI criticized, said, no, that's not possible. So did the Vatican Council. You know, a lot of the things where we find what we would say, you know, quite frankly, left-wing Catholics are promoting 
are in direct contradiction to the teaching of the church, to the Second Vatican Council, but it doesn't matter because they invoke this spirit of innovation, change, fluidity. You know, what was true in the past is no longer true now because the circumstances change. You talk about sincerity. You know, people say, well, you know, I can't follow that teaching of the church because it makes me feel like I'm less than what I am and God would never make me feel that way. So, you know, people basically enter into this thing of self-worship. Every idea I have is good and I have to follow it. Um, that's narcissism in the psychological sense and it's self-absorption and selfishness in the spiritual moral category. So, you know, Joe, I have to say the answer is to be uh, a faithful Catholic who understands that Christ's teaching is not subject to human revision and to reject this notion that religion has to reflect the preoccupations of the people, you know, who happen to, you know, get the most media attention. And as we know, in the modern world, that means that people are trying to tear down Catholic teaching and, you know, create a new religion. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, I think a lot of people, and I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I got married later in life, 43. Um, I was a very wild guy in college, but then I came into my faith. I was chased for like 17 years, my hand up. And someone would be like, you're crazy. No, because God gives you grace. Grace is real. You see, I think when people talk about what you're hearing, like they'll say like, I can't do that. No, you're right. You can't. But God can do it if you let him. You see, we ch and this is what I'm talking about, sticking to the vine. And this is from the top down in the church, Father, from the laity to like the fancy guys up there. They, they, they rely on their own strength. They rely, drop everything. Like we should not do that. God's grace is real and he can help you and do whatever you're called to do. All the teachings of the church, contraception, that's a tough one. He could help you with that. He could help you with chastity. He could help you with same-sex attraction, whatever, because it's true and God's real and God's grace can do it. Please talk about that because I think a lot of times, like here you are, you know, you're a super smart guy, you're a priest, you know, you pray, you're living in a state of grace and someone hears you in the, in the church and they're just like, all right, whatever. I can't do that. I can't do that. But yes, you can. Like, yeah. Like, well, please talk about that. Yeah, well, uh, that reminds me of what Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court Justice's uh, grandfather, told him, old man can't is dead. I know I buried him. You know, when people say I can't do that, it really means I don't want to do that. You can do things according to God's law is not impossible for mankind. The fulfillment of it at all moments, of course, is difficult and we will fail because we are sinners. But to say it's impossible for me from this point on in my life into the future to live according to God's law, that's a self-fulfilling defeatist prophecy. It's just not true. It's not true at all. God's grace is powerful. Uh, God gives us willpower. Uh, and we can, you know, turn to the Lord in moments of temptation and then use our brain power to say the only thing you do with, excuse me, the only thing you do with temptation is flee it. You don't negotiate with it. Uh, so people in the modern age are very narcissistic uh, in many ways, meaning that they self-worship. They look upon their own thoughts as the source of truth for them. It's not the case. Our right. thought power is given to us to discover the truth, which is external. It comes to us from God. And then we incorporate it into the way we live. Then we internalize it. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is how you live. No matter whether you get married at age 20 or age 40, uh, God's law applies and his grace is strengthening. Amen. Thank you for that, Father Gerald Murray. We're talking, uh, talking about his new book, Father Murray's new book, Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crises Facing the Catholic Church and Society. Father, I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation mainly because we're, we're, we're blowing up a couple of ideas that are out there. Um, now, you mentioned God's law. So let me throw something to you, okay? Somebody says, well, I believe in primacy of conscience. OK, now, Martin Sheen, who happens to be Catholic, OK, um, he's a left winger, but he's Catholic. He said, my church teaches primacy of conscience. No, it does not. Correct me again, Father, yeah. I'm asking you to correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. If your conscience is not formed correctly to to and, 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 and molded towards God's law, then your conscience really doesn't do you any good. So primacy of conscience is false. Can you explain that, please, to our audience? 
Yeah, the conscience is given to us by God to discover how to apply his law, how to put into effect the teaching uh, that he gives us. Christ has primacy. The primacy of Christ is what we uh, proclaim. In other words, Christ didn't come down to the earth to say, tell me what you all think, and then I'll rubber stamp it as being something good. No, he came down and said, you know, you have heard it said, I tell you that, and then he, you know, issued all these teachings. We also have the natural law, the way God created us, uh, gives us an indication of what we're supposed to do. The natural law teaches us that the digestive system is meant to digest food because you need food to live, and therefore you get hungry. So the natural law teaches us it is required that human beings feed themselves. And then it's also required that people can't feed themselves, be fed by others. So, I mean, the natural law is a teacher. Now, as regards people say, well, you know, I'm not, my conscience doesn't tell me that I have to do uh, what the church teaches. Then you have what's called an erroneous conscience. And, you know, if, you tr if you're sincere in saying, I believe in the teaching of the church, well, then one of the teachings of the church is that you're not allowed to remain in error uh, because that is going to guide you in paths of sin. So you have an obligation to inform yourself. If you're still not convinced of the truth of what the church teaches, then you have to say, well, what is the reason I'm not convinced? Is it a legitimate intellectual failure to understand something? Or is it a willful rejection of something that will make me uh, unhappy because I have to leave off something I like doing? So, you know, the primacy of conscience is, is an easy out that's been used uh, by many people to justify violating God's law by saying, well, I'm just not convinced of the truth of that, therefore I'm not going to follow it. Well, are you convinced of the truth that the church is the authentic representative of God's teaching? If you're convinced of that, then the next step is, well, if, if I'm convinced of that, then I'm also convinced that what the church teaches is true, therefore I will do it. So you can see there's a subtle rejection of the church as the teacher by those who claim that my conscience doesn't allow me to follow what the church teaches. Two things yeah, jump I, out at me there, really. Two words, authority and obedience. I recognize the church as having authority. I am a man. God is God, and he rose from the dead. He has authority, so I listen to him. Whether it's hard or not has nothing to do with it. And then there's obedience. I have to humble myself, and I think that's the problem in America. We don't recognize authority. As people, Americans have this individualism, like an authoritative figure, whether even if it's your father, your grandfather, the priest, the church, God. And then there's obedience, a word that's completely thrown aside in our society to listen, to say, I have to listen. I bend my knee to you, to God. You told me something. You're God. Um, we don't have that anymore. Like, and, and frankly, I think the, the, the smarter you are, the stronger you are, and the richer you are, the worse it is. Like when it comes to that, people are just like, no, no, get out of my bedroom. Don't tell me what to do in my bedroom. Don't tell me what to do with my money. Talk about that, because I think that's the root problem here. Well, you know, <laughs> people accept some authorities and not others, you know. If you have a question now, you Google the answer and whatever on the screen you repeat, you know, Wikipedia is out there. Everybody goes to it, including myself. Now, the, the deal is that if you have enough people reading the same article, someone who knows it's false is going to identify it if it is. But be that as it may, the rejection of authority has to do with self-will, that people do not want to be told to do something uh, that they don't happen to agree with at the moment because of sinful choice they've made. Uh, and that is not good. You know, God is an authority figure. He's the one who authored me. You know, we say an author of a book, someone who writes a book. Well, the authority of God is he created everything and he created it in a certain way. So therefore, to submit to the authority of God is to find out how life is supposed to work. You know, if you said the author has no right to write words on a page that have meaning and therefore I don't understand the meaning of his word. No. The author has a right to do what he determines when he writes a book, and we have to try to figure it out. And if we have a problem, we call up the author and say, what did you mean here? <laughs> so with God, it's the same thing. God, Jesus, what did you mean when you say, you know, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery? What do you mean when you say thou shalt not lie? So all of those things, um, yeah, part, so much of modern society goes from 
saying, you know, what is, is not sufficient. What I want is. So it's not sufficient that God said, do this. I want to do something else. I'm going to follow that. There's the error. But isn't that a matter, Father Gerald Murray, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, isn't that a matter of then your, your passions or your desires uh, are then, you're, you're allowing that, your reason to be subordinate to your passion and desires rather than your reason controlling your passion and your desires. So the passion or desire to do a thing, to go out and make more money or to, do, or to live a, a sexually liberated lifestyle, whatever the case might be. But one thing I find about authority though, is and I, I get it. I get a kick out of this because those who rail against authority, I mean, take Protestants and atheists. I know I'm not lumping them together, but they do the same thing when it comes to Catholics and the Catholic Church. I don't believe in the authority of the Church, says the Protestant. Okay, when you're on Sunday, when you get together at your prayer meeting, because that's all it is. There's no sacraments there. All right, you get together at your prayer meeting. You listen to a a speech from the pastor. All right, why are you listening to him? Oh, because he's an authority, right? Atheists do the same thing. People like Christopher Hitchens used to rail against the authority of the church. But wait a minute. You, but, you, but your authority is Steven Pinker or, or David Hume, if you want to go back a few hundred years, or, or, or Spinoza. Okay, So don't ever try to convince Catholics somehow we are lacking because we accept authority. When you people just deny that deny authority, but at the same time, you rely on it. It's that kind of double standard, Father. I'd love for you to comment on that. Yeah, uh, authority is built into the nature of, of reality. You know, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about in modern football and in other sports, you have the booth review. You know, if a play is called by the referee erroneously, everyone thinks it, then the booth review. Now, what makes certain that the booth review is better than the ref at the, at the moment? Well, because they've got videotape and they can slow it down and all the rest. In other words, we cede in football an authority to a group of people and take it out of the hands of the ref because we want to get it right. Nobody complains about that. Everyone's happy about it. Now, authority is not infallible. They can make a mistake. In the Catholic Church, however, the supreme authority is God. Jesus Christ then entrusted his authority to the church. The church teaches infallibly in some manners. That's a restricted exercise of the teaching authority. But, you know, in general, we believe that all the teachings of the church contained in the creed and in the documents of the, of the magisterium are true. And therefore, we believe them. And that makes us rest at peace because I don't have to figure it out all for myself. Jesus figured it out for us. I just follow what he says. I love it, Father. I always say this. I, I've taught RCIA, and I used to say Catholicism is painting by numbers. You follow right. what is said. I mean, to put it very clearly and simply. But you know something? You said something before I just want to touch on. You said, like, because this is the way life works. You see, reality is God. And I learned this. Again, I'll, I'll speak personally. My way doesn't work. I tried it, Father. I did. Mm -hmm. From 14 to 22. Oh, no, Joe, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I trust God. Now, that means sometimes groping in darkness, like because you don't know where you're going, you know, in terms of life gets thrown something at you. Can I do this? Like speaking as a married man, being open to life. How am I going to educate five kids? I don't know, but I'm going to try. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, but, but it's, it's just about that reality is God. And this is how you'll have joy and peace and life works. Well, that uh, way. Rea reality is created by God. And then through reality, we have contact with God. And that's important uh, because God is a personal being, whereas much of reality is impersonal, you know, the, the created order. So just, but the point that you're making is profound because Things work in a certain way, not because I determined they should work that way. God determined that, and therefore finding out how it works. There was a great uh, analogy by Professor Charlie Rice, who taught at Notre Dame Law Notre School, Dame. and he said, you know, if, you, if your engine in your car is out of oil and somebody hands you a can of molasses, you know, you can be very sincerely convinced that that's motor oil. But he said, if you pour that into your engine, you're now a pedestrian. You ain't going anywhere in that car. And no, that's exactly, exactly the way it is in reality. You're convinced that sin is a good thing. Okay, guess what? You're out of the state of grace. You lost your way. 
Right. A absolutely. In the church, and, and and that's what the church is there for. And along the lines of what you were saying, Father, talk about reality. Joe and I, you know, we we the best way I heard it put is the Catholic Church is the vehicle of logos in human history. If you understand, obviously, mm -hmm. that concept of logos uh, given to us by the Greeks, and then obviously Saint John tells us that that logos became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. That we only have, Father, about ten minutes left, so we want to just hit a couple of rapid points, if that's okay. Um, Joe, you, I know that you wanted to ask Father about um, Canon 915, so I'm going to leave that with you. I, I, I want to talk about that, but just I want to just make one comment. Everything we just said is so linear and so logical, and I absolutely am 100% on point. Many people will listen to this and say, I don't agree with the math. How do we change their mind? They have to see our joy. They have to see holiness. Like, and I just, before we get into 915, like everything you say, Father, I swear, I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, we, you know, we're, we bought in, but I learned that through my own life, like where people, you say things, they're so spot on and someone will be like, I don't get the math. I, I, I don't agree with that. How we're going to change people is they have to see our holiness. Talk about that for a sec, then we'll get into sure. that. No, I mean, uh, Christianity is we are witnesses uh, by our words and actions. In other words, we believe, we know, and we act. And that gives a, as a witness, meaning a living testimony to others of the truth that, uh, of Christ. Because, you know, he who hears you hears me, the, po the, the, uh, the, the Savior told that to the bishops. And by analogy, he who hears us repeating those same teachings are hearing Christ speaking through us. So if we're going to speak in the words of Christ, we should also live according to the example of Christ. Amen. Amen. And as I was saying, we'll get to 915. Father's a canon lawyer. Um, we hear that thrown around a lot, particularly with politicians, uh, particularly about abortion. Obviously, we have politicians who also support same-sex marriage. I mean, the teaching is very clear. I'll read it. Those who have been excommunicated or indicted after the imposition or declaration of the penalty, and this is the important part, or others who obstinately persevere and manifest grave sin are not permitted to receive Holy Communion. That's the canon. It's pretty clear, and it's ignored left and right. Um, break it down. It's going on as we speak. Where are we right? Where are we wrong? Sure. No, Canon 915 concerns uh, the duty of those who administer Holy Communion, how they are to uh, deal with people who are excommunicated, you know, people who have this severe penalty. Excommunication means you're, you're not, you're denied the right to receive the sacraments until you repent. Uh, but it also, this uh, provision regarding the denial of sacraments concerns those who persist and manifest grave sin. And that was formally described as public sinners, meaning people whose disobedience to God's law in a serious matter is a matter of common knowledge. So those who manifest, persist and manifest grave sin uh, are those whose life, uh, whose uh, actions contradict the teaching of Christ in a serious matter. And for those who support abortion, for instance, or support the you know, myth of same-sex marriage, uh, they are grave in grave violation of their duty as Christians to uphold the doctrine of Christ, which teaches that abortion is a terrible, horrible crime, and that marriage uh, cannot doesn't exist between two people of the same sex. And uh, now, Canon 915 is applies to those in charge, meaning the bishops and the priests. So uh, this matter came up for discussion during uh, the pontificate of Pope John Paul II. And Pope Benedict was then Cardinal Ratzinger, and he sent a letter to the American bishops stating that indeed those who support uh, abortion, so-called abortion rights, uh, are not to be given Holy Communion, not to be admitted, uh, but very few bishops uh, enforce that. And the bishops had a meeting recently uh, last June in which this proposition was not endorsed. In other words, they didn't re restate with any force Canon 915 or instruct people on how to apply it. Uh, and there's a whole controversy that's surrounded it. We can leave that aside. But the sad matter is that President Joe Biden and Speaker Pelosi are among the most vehement proponents of legalized abortion in the United States. They are both self-identified Catholics, meaning that they happy to be known as Catholics. They go to mass and they receive communion. But this is in violation of Canon 915. They shouldn't be given Holy Communion. 
and they should have the good sense to realize they shouldn't come forward. Because you can't, how do you go to Jesus, you know, at the final judgment and say, Lord, I was so happy to receive you in Holy Communion, but I didn't receive your teaching about the grave immorality of abortion, so I hope you don't mind. No, it doesn't work like that. That's not what the Lord is going to say to you. You know, if he, I, the I sheep agree. and the goats are, are divided on the basis of their actions. Uh, the way I, I looked I, at it when I used to teach RCIA, I would almost say, like, you sit down with God and you say, you made the Pacific Ocean, you made the Himalayas, but on the abortion thing, you weren't right. And he's going to be like, no, no, yes, I'm right I there, right. too. <laughs> like, it, like, but, but, but we just somehow <laughs> don't want to, like, go along. Father Gerald Murray is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racino on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're talking about his new book, Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crises Facing the Catholic Church and Society. Father, I'd like for you to, to blow up an argument that goes on out there, being that we're on the subject of, of Joe Biden and Pelosi and the rest of them. Now... Joe mentioned, used the word linear, logical. We use a little bit of logic, okay? These are lawmakers, okay? Now, a couple of jamokes like us, we get this, okay? So please, the argument goes, I am personally opposed to abortion, but I have no right to impose my views on others. Before I go even further, my immediate response, and I think a five-year-old could recognize this, okay, is, well, then stop being a lawmaker, because your job is to impose in society, one group's values on another that that particular group might not agree with, thereby restricting their behavior. We do that with all sorts of things, from seatbelts to murder, okay? We impose our values on society. Am I wrong in my thinking? Um, because they seem to say that an awful lot. And by the way, I'm not giving them a pass either. They're not personally opposed to abortion either, okay? But blow up the the impose your morality nonsense yeah, well, that we hear all the time. You're not, uh... A lawmaker is an advocate for certain uh, new laws, let's say, or abolishing old laws. He, lawmakers are not dictators. So a lawmaker has to try to convince the other lawmakers to go along with their uh, opposition to abortion. So it's not a question of imposing. It's a question of influencing and advocating. So I hear, I've never heard Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi advocate for people not to support legal abortion. So as a result, they're failing in their duty as Christians, as Catholics, to uphold the teaching of the church, which is the teaching of the natural law. It's not, this is a dodge to say, I'm not going to impose my morality. Uh, do they impose it on themselves, you wonder? I mean, it sounds like they don't because, uh, you know, God himself imposes a law on us, but an imposition in the right sense, uh, in the sense that it's making us conscious of our duty to act according to our nature. It's not the nature of man to kill his fellow man. That's a fruit of original sin, you know, Cain and Abel. So mm. when that came into this human society, we have to counteract it by advocating the exact opposite. No, the abortion debate is revelatory of the triumph of the sexual revolution. And then those Catholics who go along with it uh, basically say, well, God's law on this matter is too strict. I can't uphold it. And I'm certainly not going to try to influence other people to uphold it. That's just a failure in charity and, and an obligation to love your neighbor, particularly those who are now going to be killed because you do nothing to try to stop it when you have power, as I said, to influence others and even to vote to change the law. All right. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Father Murray. Joe, we have probably about a minute and a half left. So uh, what do you want to ask, Father, uh, in a parting way for our audience? Well, this is a weighty subject. I wanted to ask about the death penalty. This is more of a personal thing, um, but the language got tweaked uh, in 2018 uh, by the Holy Father. Um, talk about that a little bit, because I'll be honest with you, John Paul left about this much open on it. Um, the new language says it's inadmissible. Is that in all cases? Or is it just another example of being unclear? Father, we yeah. have about a minute and a half, okay? Yeah, this is a long topic, and maybe we'll talk about it in a future show. But <laughs> I'm basically, sorry. No, no, because basically the Catholic Church has always taught the morality of the application of the death penalty for certain crimes. And uh, therefore, the institution of death penalty of itself has never been called immoral. Now, Pope Francis decided to call it inadmissible. And it, that language is hard to understand because inadmissible means, you know, cannot be brought in, for instance, like evidence is not admissible in a trial. Uh, but 
Um, the, the death penalty is in scripture. God commanded the death penalty in the Old Testament for certain sins and crimes. Are we saying that God commanded something that was immoral? We can't say that. Nothing God commands is immoral. Uh, the application of the death penalty is a matter of prudential judgment, uh, and that's left in the hands of legislators, but it's not immoral per se. I regret the change in the catechism because I think it is producing confusion, and it doesn't conform with the church's traditional teaching about the morality of the death penalty. Father Gerald Murray, thanks for that. And like I said, we're going to have you back um, because, it, you know, this has been a great conversation. Uh, and we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Real quick, Father, the book is Calming the Storm, Navigating the Crises Facing the Catholic Church and Society. Where can our audience buy the book? Yes, go to the stpaulcenter.com. Uh, that is where you can order the book or Amazon, which is available on. Uh, so Calming the Storm will be available in March of 2022. And uh, if you pre-order on the St. Paul Center, they'll send you the audio version, uh, or excuse me, they will send you the uh, digital version already, even before the print version is out. So St. Paul Center, so, stpaulcenter.com. So make sure you, everybody out there, you go out there and buy the book. Father Gerald Murray, thank you for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. We want to thank you all out there for listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. Remember to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content and follow Joe and I on our website, thefrontlinetv.com, thefrontlinetv.com. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.